Live from Gross Point, Michigan, it's time for the number one radio show in the private service industry, where private service professionals can discuss topics that pertain to their industry. And now, here is your host, DEMA National President, Matthew Hack. Hello and welcome back to another edition of DEMA Live. DEMA Live is a podcast radio show for the private service industry intended to bring private service professionals, vendors, principals, and recruitment agencies together to discuss topics of interest to the high net worth service industry. DEMA Live is produced by the Domestic Estate Management Association, a professional trade association intended to serve those that serve others. Our website is www domesticmanagers.com. Our show is broadcast live on blogtalkradio.com on Wednesdays at noon Eastern Standard Time. If you're listening to the show, you can log in live on Blog Talk Radio website or uh, you can and you can submit your questions live online. You can also text questions during the show to 313-404-3998. Once again, that number is 313 313- Four zero four three nine nine eight. My name is Matthew Hack. I'm the president of the Domestic Estate Management Association, and I'll be your host today. I'm joined today by my special guest co-host, DJ Haverkamp, a private service professional based in the New York area. On today's show, DJ and I will be joined by Matthew Weiner. Matthew is the owner of Jet Management Associates, a jet consulting company, as a part of the PSP Corner Series, we'll be discussing the business and private jet service industry. DJ, let me start with you and welcome you uh, to the show. As always, I, I always ask you, what have you been up to uh, this past week? Hi, Matt. So great to be with you again today. I uh, had a pleasant surprise in the mail this week. I got my copy of the uh, supplier uh, guide, the preferred guide that uh, the association has put out. And it was really exciting to receive that and to uh, see how beautifully it was laid out with the photography and the layout. It was just what a wonderful uh, addition to the association's lineup of services. I, I think this is just wonderful. And it was really fun to see how many of the people that we've interviewed at some of our past shows were represented in the supplier guide. So for our members who haven't seen it yet or who just received it, it's um, it's going to be a great addition to the uh to the services that the association provides, I think. Well, I'm excited that uh, that you that you like it so much. I think uh, we worked a, a long time at making sure that it looked professional and could be a coffee piece that you guys, as private service professionals, can um, can feel proud to put uh, and leave at your uh, at the residences where you guys are working at. So, um, appreciate that for sure. Uh, speaking of guests that we've had on the past that are members. Um, Matthew is a new member with the association, so uh, let's go ahead and bring Matthew onto the show. Matthew, welcome to Dima Live. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me, Matthew and DJ. Well, we're excited to have you. I wanted uh, uh, first and foremost thank you for taking time out of your busy day to be on the show today. Uh, many of our members work with principals who use private aviation services both in their businesses and for personal use. As an expert in the field of aviation, uh, we're hoping that you can share some of your insights with our listeners. Uh, before we jump into talking about that topic, I thought maybe you could tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your career in the private aviation world. 
certainly my pleasure. I began my career in aviation in 2004-2005 as an on-demand jet charter broker. In other words, a client would call me up and say, I want to fly from Teterboro to Miami on Friday and return on Sunday. I've got four passengers. And I would go out to the charter market and I would find them a plane, uh, the best plane at the best price with the best safety ratings um, and the best pilots and basically broker that trip. Uh, I began building relationships with clients to the point that they asked me to help them buy planes and got into acquisitions and acquiring aircraft. And then I began to manage aircraft. And then I bought into uh, an aircraft management and charter company that had an operating certificate to charter planes to the public. I, I built that company for two years, sold it, and for the last four years have been doing exclusively aircraft acquisitions, aircraft management, uh, any private and corporate aviation consulting, and trial strategy and expert witness testimony for uh, people who are involved in corporate aviation disputes. Well, I think that that's one of the things that really uh, impressed me. I know that uh, you've actually been around DEMA uh, for a few years. It's taken us a while to get you to uh, to become a member of the association, but we're certainly excited to have you as part of the association because I think you bring a little bit of a variance to um, what we're used to when we talk about the private jet service industry. Usually we talk about fractional ownership or, you know, the net jets or um, – uh, the Vista jets of, of the world. And I think that you bring a completely different uh, um, outlook uh, to the industry. So just to give everyone a little bit of an idea of what we're going to be talking about, can you give a little brief overview of, uh, of the aviation industry as a whole? Sure. Uh, you know, there are different types of aviation. Uh, there, there's obviously aviation involved in the military uh, spectrum. There's commercial aviation like American Airlines and Singapore Air. There's uh, also private, the private aviation industry, which is either called private jets or business jets or corporate jets. And there are a number of different terms that we use. We call it corporate aviation or private aviation. Uh, but really, in essence, it's the same thing. So all three of those categories, the military, the commercial, and the private, um, and, and even to some respect, uh, in some respect, the unmanned aircraft uh, of today are all sharing the same airspace. And, you know, you hear, you hear a lot of talk now about the FAA and air traffic control and trying to uh, build a next generation air traffic control system to accommodate both the military, the commercial and the private airspace. All right. Well, that's so, obviously that's a that's a good breakdown of, of of the overview of the aviation industry. So many of our listeners, as you know, I'm sure, um, work for principals who use planes either for business or personal uses. Um, today, what we'd like to focus on first and foremost on the is on the private aviation industry. Is what is the correct term? Is it aircraft, plane, jet? Um, what what what's the correct terminology? You know, the prevailing term is aircraft. I often use the term plane or jet, but really from an industry perspective, it's private. It's, it's aircraft. That's great, Matthew. I was, I was wondering if you could maybe 
give our listeners sort of an idea as to how big an industry this is? Like, do you have any way of giving us some idea of how many planes there are out there or, or just how extensively the private aviation industry is? Sure. There, there are a number of ways to, to, to explain that, but I think one of the best ways to, to explain it is um, when you have a moment, go to a website called flightradar24.com, and that's, a, that's an air traffic control uh, satellite radar website that allows you to look at all of the planes that are in the air around the world. And there are about 135,000 flights a day around the world. But if you were to, if you were to highlight um, the United States and look at all the planes flying across the United States at any given time, you'll, you'll be able to see a, a little variance in the size of the aircraft that are flying over the country. And if you look at them, and you click on them, it will tell you the type of aircraft. And you'll be able to understand the sheer scope of the private jet travel industry by how many private jets you see flying over, for example, the United States at any given time. With that said, um, there are about 18,000 or 19,000 private jets around the world. The United States has essentially 50% of uh, those private jets are U.S. registered, and those aircraft they you know, also are all sorts of types of planes, from um, you know turboprops like King Airs and Cessna Caravans, which which fly uh, cargo for FedEx, for example, to Learjets, Hawkers, Citations, Gulfstreams, Bombardier Challengers. Um, there are a number of different types of planes that, are, that make up that 18,000 um, plane uh, field. And at any one given time, anywhere between 10 to 14% of those aircraft are available for sale uh, around the world that you can buy. And you know, just to give you kind of the scope of the new uh, planes that come online each year, it's estimated that about five to 700 planes come brand new planes from factories around the world come online every year and, and business estimates from uh, some of the larger companies that estimate these things estimate that over 9,000 new aircraft are going to be produced over the course of the next decade. Well, that's amazing. How, can I ask how long does a plane's lifespan usually last? Like, would you, would you say that, with that many new planes coming on, are that many planes being retired every year? That's an excellent question, DJ. Um, it's funny because that question is really kind of the, the reason why used and pre-owned aircraft, why the prices for pre-owned aircraft are falling uh, at such a great rate because there are more planes that are being added than retired. And the reason for that is that the quality of manufacturing has increased to such a level that these aircraft last much, much longer um, than they should be expected to last. So you, if you produce an aircraft and that aircraft is maintained properly um, per the manufacturer's maintenance calendar, and that aircraft is hangered and well taken care of by the principal and the engines are taken care of, an aircraft should last between 30 to 40 years, and it's not unlikely that air, all aircraft last about 35 years. Wow, that's amazing. 
Maybe you could uh, just quickly go over some of the general uses for private aircraft and how they're used in the industry. Certainly, uh, and private aircraft can transport, uh, you know, corporate employees. It can transport. They can transport clients. Um, they're used to transport cargo um, and, you know, parts, for example. Um, obviously, also used to transport mail. Um, they're used for medical emergency transport. Um, different aircraft can be used and, and can have uh, can have rigs on the bottom that allow them to have survey equipment and mapping equipment and aerial photography equipment on board. There are all sorts of um, agricultural applications, uh, including, you know, game tracking. Um, of course, there's also security and law enforcement, um, you know, gather, uh, news gathering, um, research and development, and, of course, weather monitoring. And, you know, finally, you really you will you'll see a lot of aircraft used in humanitarian missions as well. I think that that's extremely the, the, every one of those facets are are all things that are things that need to be done when when utilizing aircrafts. And I think one of the most important things that that when we start talking with private service professionals here at DEMA and the reason that we've spent a lot of time looking at a lot of different companies out there, Matthew is. In my background, um, being a helicopter mechanic, I know how imperative it is to make sure that planes are always ready to go. They're ready to go from point A to point B, you know, make sure that the pre-flight inspection is done the right way. So with that being said, can you go over some of the different uh, some of the differences between charters, fractional ownership, and regular ownership? Because I think that all the maintenance that goes into planes and the insurance and stuff, those are probably important differences in every one of those different uh, uh, titles that I just that I just brought up, I agree. Um, you know, that's really uh, a lot of what I do uh, is help clients try to figure out what the best way to travel privately is for them. So, you know, at the top at the top of the list of of you know private travel is owning your own plane, and you know, plenty of people own their own planes. Um, then. Obviously, you can buy fractions from companies like NetJets and FlexJet and up until recently, Citation Shares and Flight Options. Um, there's also uh, a jet card charter, which is where you pay up front for a specific number of hours on a specific size of aircraft. That's what's called owning a jet card. And then there's on-demand charter, which is when you want to fly, you call somebody up and you tell them where you want to go and then they fly you there. All right. So, so now that now, now here's the big important question is once someone buys uh, or, or owns their own business plane, how, how does that work? What are some of the things they have to think about? Well, there's a lot to think about. Well, there uh, when you buy your own plane, you have, uh, you, you have, there are two types of, or, or really, really two types of management of the aircraft of how to operate it. You can operate it on your own and you can manage it and fly it on your own. You can hire your own pilots and source your own insurance and get your own fuel contracts and pay for your own hangar and you can manage it yourself. And a lot of people try to do that and, and, and fail miserably at it. 
Uh, a lot of people do it well if they're sophisticated owners and, and they've owned for, for a number of years. And then the second way to do it is to outsource the management where you give it to a management and a management company can manage the aircraft, handle everything for you. And then they send you, um, you know, a statement and you pay the bills from the statement. And then if you want, you can have your plane chartered. If you want to get revenue back, if you want to offset your costs of ownership on the aircraft, you'll give it to a charter operator, which can also manage it for you. And they will sell it to the public for charter. They will rent it to the public. And in order to do that, they have to have what's called a Part 135 charter certificate. So the two ways are to manage it yourself or to outsource management to another company. So Matthew, if, if one of our members who's working as an estate manager or maybe who's taking on a new role with a new principal who, who owns their own plane and hasn't really worked around private aviation before, were asked to set up a flight or schedule a flight or get a crew or, or make arrangements for private air, what are some of the things that they would need to know or what would they have to deal with as they were making those arrangements? First thing they would have to do is they'd have to know if the arrangements were being made on the principal's jet. If they were being made on the principal's jet, then they would coordinate with whoever is responsible for the management of that aircraft. If they are, uh, if the arrangements are to be made for a fractional jet, they will call up the fractional operator like NetJets at the special number that they have. They will give their account uh, number and, and their principal's names and information, and they'll arrange the flight that way and coordinate the flight through NetJets. And if it's a charter, they'll either call up a local charter company or a charter broker to offer them different options to fly privately. All right, excellent. So let's let's turn here a little bit then, and let's talk a little bit about what your company provides because I know that when we started talking about purchasing a um, a plane, you said that that's something that your company does. What exactly does uh, do, does your company do uh, there at Jet Management Associates? The the bulk of of our business and and really the thing that we specialize in is the full suite of acquisition services. We handle everything from the aircraft identification uh, and information compilation and analysis where we provide uh, different options to potential buyers. We then put together uh, offer letters, letters of intent, and we consult with uh, for purchase and sale agreements and help them negotiate the purchase of the aircraft. And after that, we, we handle and oversee all of the pre-purchase inspections and the further negotiation that goes into uh, to buying the plane around the pre-purchase inspection, just in case there are any mechanical issues with the aircraft. We also help clients arrange financing we help them arrange, uh, you know, or, or create corporate structures uh, to house the aircraft that they're going to operate. We then help them close the airplane and provide 
delivery logistics services, including, uh, for example, you know, getting crew and making sure that the delivery flights are, are, you know, work perfectly and seamlessly. And then we handle the post-transaction operational planning. Basically, once you bought a plane, you have to figure out what to do with it. And typically, you know what you're going to do with it before you buy it. But uh, if people are not so sophisticated, we help them decide what type of ownership structure and management structure that they want. Do they want to uh, manage it on their own? Do they want to manage it through uh, a company or do they want to have us manage it for them? And if they want to have us manage it for them, then we handle, uh, we really offer kind of very boutique management services, very single point of contact management services. All right. So as, as you will come to know, uh, and I know DJ knows this already, one of the main things that we talk about here at DEMA is we're very proud that we are, are developing a spirit of professionalism amongst our members. What are your thoughts on trying to maintain professional approach in the private aircraft uh, service sector? Well, it's a very, very good question and, and a, a discussion topic that I go over with uh, a number of people very often because, you know, I think, I think one thing that you guys probably experience or that your membership experiences is that in any industry that involves high priced items or services, you have a lot of people drawn to selling those items and services and it becomes very much a sales driven and sales oriented industry. Um, I think in, in the private jet industry, I think it's prevalent to see people who are real high-level salespeople who don't know a lot about the service or the product that they're selling. And, you know, we believe at JMA that, that the private aviation business is a logistics and an operations business. It's about delivering a clean operational product and a clean and transparent financial product to people, as well as a seamless operations and seamless flight experience. And I think if you, in our business, if you deliver that type of operational-centric product and service to people, they will come back and they will refer you. And I think that level of professionalism, it really is the hallmark of how you build a business in, in, in our business. I couldn't. I couldn't agree with you more. That is so eloquently yeah. spoken uh, and put that I, I think that 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 bears uh, bears mentioning. You know, from our from our perspective, because we have done a lot of business with different um, jet aviation companies, and I think that that seems to be the main thing is we want to make sure that there's a lot of education out there when it comes to this uh, particular field. So, um, before we move on, I would like to mention, uh, speaking of professionalism. Uh, that we have, um, we, we need to mention that we have some chapter meetings that are coming up. Um, as a matter of fact, we have a, a chapter meeting uh, this week in Denver. As a matter, of, that'll be tomorrow. Um, that you can still register for. We have meetings in Chicago, Houston, New York, Palm Beach, San Diego, Scottsdale, and DC uh, all next week. So uh, we're going to have a busy uh, end of the month here of, of June, and that will help us kind of roll into uh, roll into our, our convention uh, uh, final run here 
uh, going into August. So we're definitely excited about that. If you would like to register for any of those events or learn more about them, you can do that on the DEMA website uh, at www.domesticmanagers.com and then uh, click on the monthly calendar. Also, other newsworthy uh, items uh, coming from DEMA National is that um, we will be having uh, great educational speakers uh, like Matthew. Um, we have finalized the, uh, the convention website for, for those that have not registered yet and would like to see what the schedule is that has been pretty much finalized. Um, I think the last one that we're putting on there is, is actually you, Matthew. So uh, we, we appreciate you coming to the convention this year. We're definitely excited. Um, the convention this year is going to be August the 26th through the 28th in Scottsdale, Arizona. And you can register to attend at the early bird rate uh, until the end of this month, until the 30th. Uh, the, the, the DEMA convention website is www.demaconvention.com. Uh, go ahead, click on that and, uh, and, and join and, and uh, come and come and attend the convention. It's going to be a lot of fun. And if uh, you have any doubts about that, go ahead and listen to one of our, podcast uh, actually listen to our podcast from last week where we had a, a group of uh, individuals that have attended uh, talk about what they're what they've learned so if we have any listeners that are out there that would like to get involved in today's discussion we certainly encourage that if you'd like to do that you can do so by texting us at 313-404-3998 or you can dial in uh, the number to call in and ask your question is 323-642- one six two five. So if you're listening uh, live streaming, just keep in mind you can call us on your phone, and uh, we'll get you on the air. Once again, that call-in number is three two three six four two one six two five. So with that being said, um, Matthew, could you go over real quickly the basic costs that can be associated with private aircraft ownership? Certainly. Uh, acquisitions can be anywhere from five hundred thousand dollars for a for a nineteen eighty five aircraft that's got you know clean engines and will allow you to fly a few thousand hours to seventy million dollars for a Gulfstream G six fifty. So the acquisition costs are all over the map, uh, depending on the size of the aircraft and the age of the aircraft and the technology based in the aircraft. To operate an aircraft is also uh, a little bit different. So aviation fuel right now on the average around the country is probably about $4.50 a gallon. To fly a Gulfstream G4 costs about, it operates at about 500 gallons an hour. So that would be about $2,250 an hour just to operate the aircraft for fuel. To pay for engines is about $600 an hour. To pay for maintenance is five for six or seven or $800 an hour. All of these things add up to, to a real big numbers. So in order to operate a G4, for example, a 1992 Gulfstream 4 SP, you probably are going to spend, without debt service, $4,500 every hour just to operate the aircraft. And that's without any unscheduled maintenance for things that may break. To operate a Citation, like a little Citation light jet that you'll see on, on, a, on a ramp will cost about $2,500 an hour. So Matthew, with, 
with that in mind, I was just curious to know if you could maybe tell our listeners a little bit about the factors that go into making a decision as to whether to own a private aircraft or not. Uh, when you're consulting with your clients, what what kind of things are you asking them to think about and to to consider as they decide whether to own or or use a fractional service or charter? DJ, that's a that's a great question. Um, really, the first question to ask, and the, really the only and prevailing question is, how much do you fly? Yeah. And if a person and if a person answers that they fly two or 225 or 250 hours a year, which is a tremendous amount of flying, that would be that would be going from New York to California almost twice a month every month. Uh, if a person answers two to 250 hours a year or more, then I would say you should seriously consider looking at buying a plane. If you fly less than that, then you really want to get into the into the discussion of, you know, potentially taking a fractional position or buying jet cards or doing on-demand charter. Uh, and really, then it becomes a question of um, what are your what are your aircraft requirements? What size aircraft do you like? Um, how far are you flying? How many people do you fly with? Uh, what you know? What age of aircraft means something to you? Are you willing to fly in a 1996 G4 SP, or would you rather fly in something that's what we call 10 or newer, meaning 10 years or newer? And once mm-hmm. you determine what those uh, answers are, then you can kind of figure out where the person should be uh, in terms of private flying. But really the first question again, and the most important question is how much do you fly? Mm-hmm. And do you, does your service, I know like sometimes planes can be customized and do you, do you guys make arrangements for like pimping out a plane if I'm a rock star and I, I'm flying around doing concerts all over the place? Is that something that you guys do? Yes, we actually, um, in, as part of our consulting work, we consult for charter companies and other, um, and other charter brokers to help them engage and, and consummate transactions with aircraft owners in order to rent or lease planes. And one of the things we do is to help them lease planes for concert tours or, um, or, or uh, for example, uh, sports teams that are going on uh, trips or longer trips than one or two uh, legs, and they want to customize the aircraft. So what we helped uh, a client do about two years ago was we helped them customize the outside of a Boeing 737 uh, to their corporate logo. And and because they wanted to fly around the world, um, basically it was a flying billboard. So we helped them do that. Hmm. We also helped... I'm sorry, go Go ahead. No, yeah, go. Keep all the stories. Also, I like we, we like hearing stories here. <laughs> we also customize interior. Um, you know, you can you can buy uh, you know you can buy a a twenty twenty five year old plane and make it look like a brand new plane. Uh, you, you redo the outside. You know, you repaint the outside. 
you redo all of the carpet and the leather on the seats and all of the plating on the seat belts and the headliners and the wood, and you can make a plane look beautiful. You can also add all sorts of technology to the avionics so that you can have enhanced vision, for example, in the, avion in the cockpit. Um, you can have all sorts of upgraded avionics and entertainment options like uh, iPad systems, Wi-Fi, uh, and, and, you know, text to calling. So there's a number of things that you can do to customize a plane, and we, we help clients do that. Well, I think that that's – those are all – those are kind of fun nuances of, of what you do, it sounds like, that that would be – at least I would enjoy doing that, take, getting a checklist from someone and saying, hey, I want X, Y, and Z things taken care of and done. Um, so that would, that sounds like it would be fun, but something that I, I, I want to uh, bring to light and I, and I, I'm sorry that we didn't do this at the beginning of the show, but, um, number one, first and foremost, um, our, our hearts go out to all the, all the, uh, all the victims there in Orlando. I know Matthew, you're in Florida, so I'm sure that everyone's kind of still reeling a little bit from, from that situation. But, um, with that being said, I, I would like to definitely, talk a little bit about the security side of, 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 of what a um, jet owner needs to be concerned about and, and also the private service professionals. What are some of the security concerns that they need to be aware of? Some of the security concerns that they need to be aware of are, for example, <clears throat> when you are on the road, where the aircraft is kept. Is it kept um, on the ramp? Uh, in plain sight, or is it kept in a hangar? If it is kept in the hangar, does the hangar have 24-hour surveillance? Um, who has access to the keys? Uh, those are those are important items uh, because a lot of uh, a lot of people who don't have security concerns, they will have their pilots drop the keys off at the front desk at the private terminal. The private terminal is called an FBO, fixed-based operation. So they will have their pilots leave the keys at the front desk, which means that anybody that works at the FBO or, or anybody who can get into the FBO can take the keys and get on the plane. So they're all, those, those are concerns. There's also, there are also security concerns um, when you land at an airport and you go to an FBO and you taxi to an FBO. Different people, depending on depending on their security needs, uh, different people will ask to be parked or marshaled with their aircraft to a different part of the ramp. Some people will ask to be marshaled to a point where when they open the aircraft door, that the door faces away from the windows at the FBO so that nobody can see that they're getting uh, off. Um, different aircraft will, will block their tail numbers um, certain pilots will, um, if they're ordering catering, will not give the actual tail number of the aircraft so that nobody knows which plane the catering is going on. Um, different car services uh, will offer different types of security. Um, you never want to give the principal's name to a car service that you don't know. Uh, sometimes you want to have uh, a big SUV, even though you have one passenger. So there are different types of security. There are also security uh, driver, I'm sorry, car and driver companies that offer bulletproof cars. So there's all sorts of security that can be taken um, 
or security measures that can be taken. We often have clients that request police escorts, um, you know, to and from uh, the private terminal. And that really, you know, for, for the security minded people, the police escort is the best way to go. It's certainly not that expensive. Uh, really, the pricing obviously depends on the geographic location and the availability of professionals. But really, if, if security is of high importance to you, the police escort is really the, the best way to go from the airport to your, to your destination. That's great, Matthew. That's some really good advice. One of the things that Matt and I have been doing with a lot of our guests that we've interviewed is we've kind of asked them to tell us about some of the things that they see coming down the line as far as um, improvements or developments within their industry for the future. And so I'd be just curious to know if you could share with us some of your insights or some of the things that you see in the private aircraft industry that might be coming into play over the next 10 to 15 years. Please, please Certainly. stay hoverboards. <laughs> the word of the day, gentlemen, hoverboards. Self-driving, <laughs> self-driving plane. Exactly. <laughs> um, believe me, they actually, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I believe the first single passenger drone took its first flight on Monday. Really? I believe so. Yes, I believe the first single passenger drone just took flight. I'm almost positive this week. So, uh, you know, we, we joke and we jest, but uh, it's coming. It's certainly coming. So, I so think, with that, someone, sorry, someone's on the ground and they're controlling it, huh? That's right. That's right. Oh, my gosh. All right. <laughs> I know. So I think in terms of, of the, the private aviation industry, I think some of the positive trends are that safety keeps getting better, that, that the technology keeps getting better and the ability to avoid pitfalls, operational pitfalls keep getting better. Um, I think you see it, you know, kind of paralleled with, with, uh, you know, automobiles, uh, you know, lane changing, you know, protections, things like that, um, cars that you can program to drive a certain number of lengths behind another car. But I think safety is really the the best thing that we're going to see in aviation. I think the training of pilots um, is better than it's ever been. The aircraft simulators that are being built are better than they've ever been, and they're more realistic than they've ever been, which means when the pilots go to train, that they are being put through more difficult scenarios and uh, that separates, you know, the good pilots from the pilots who are, are not capable of doing the job the right way. Uh, I think that aircraft are, are becoming less expensive to operate um, because the, they're more efficient. The engines are being built more efficiently um, the cost is going down to operate them, and the cost of pre-owned aircraft is also going down, which makes it easier for you know people of fewer means to purchase aircraft and operate them. And I think that that's good as well. 
I think that will alleviate some of the stress on the commercial system as well. Um, I think that in-flight connectivity and in-flight productivity from a uh, technological standpoint are also increasing to the point that within very, very few years, you will have real legitimate streaming, uh, streaming Wi-Fi on board, and you will be able to work and talk on your phone while you're in the air from the time that you literally go wheels up until the time that you literally go wheels down, and that will be done around the world using uh, different types of satellite technology. So I think the productivity uh, increases will be incredible, really, really incredible. Yeah, those are some amazing things you're talking about there, Matthew, for sure. It'll be interesting to see. I wanted to ask another really quick side question. Uh, I know you, you probably deal with uh, corporate planes where aircraft are owned by businesses. Could you address or comment on the use of corporate planes for personal use? I know that there have been some political uh, people that have gotten in trouble for using uh, or taking private um, using private planes for personal use. And I was just wondering if you have any thoughts on, on that at all. I do. I mean, I mean, it still happens. It's still prevalent, um, but, but it's different now than it ever was because the IRS has taken a very stern approach on, on the private use of corporate aircraft. And what's happening now is um, a lot of companies are, using the private use of corporate aircraft, they're deeming that use as compensation. So they're, they're putting that in the compensation bucket. Uh, and and it's, it's much more transparent. But there is a bunch of use, but the level of transparency is so much greater now because the IRS is looking at the corporate use of the, of the aircraft, and you really need to have your ducks in a row as to how the aircraft is being used. Now, obviously, people can still justify specific travel to certain places, um, you know, as, as business travel, when indeed it's probably a mix of business and personal travel. Uh, it still happens. It's still prevalent, but it is... Um, it is not as prevalent as it was, and when it is happening, people are paying for it now more than they ever were. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, well, I think a, a lot. Yep. I'm sorry. A lot of Go times, um, a lot of times, the corporate CEO or a C-level um, executive in a small to mid-sized business will purchase the plane themselves and then lease back the plane and its time to the company for their corporate use. So they'll receive, they'll receive uh, kind of lease payment and, and corporate payment uh, mm. for the time that they use the aircraft in, in their, in its core or in their right. corporate capacity. So and your business offers, your business offers uh, advice on how to set that up and et cetera, et cetera. It does. And actually we, um, we manage a flight department for a financial services firm, a 5,000-person financial services firm that decided to outsource the entire uh, corporate aviation and, and commercial hangar operation to us. So we do that for them. 
It's great. All right, Matthew, listen, I just got the chime in my ear. We've got about 90 seconds left. So quickly, can you provide your contact information in less than 15 seconds on how people can get in touch with you guys? Yes, Matthew Weiner, W-I-N-E-R, Jet Management Associates out of uh, Opelika, Florida, 305-790-1440. Matt, M-A-T-T, at J-M-A Jets. That's J-M-A-J-E-T-S, as in Sam, dot com. Excellent. Well, that, 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 will, that is great information today. We appreciate having you on the show today, Matthew. Uh, DJ, as always, I wanted to thank you for joining me. Uh, if you have any questions regarding how you can become more involved in the local chapter or uh, if you have questions about the private service in- industry in general, please feel free to contact us at info at domesticmanagers.com. If you'd like to be on the show um, as a guest or you have, have a suggestion for a guest on the show, uh, you can also send that information to uh, information at domesticmanagers.com. We'll be back live on the air next uh, June 22nd, next Wednesday, with Don Seeholster with Savant Smart Home Technology.